The following program is produced by the Tech Talk Radio Network. Hey, what's up? Uh, this is Tom Arnold, and uh, you're listening to uh, Tech Talk Radio. They're really great, and uh, I love them. Hey, how about a copy of Windows? Uh, can I get a laptop? Welcome to another episode of Tech Talk Radio. I'm Andy Taylor. I'm Broadway. And I'm Justin. Welcome. We are the show that talks about computers, technology, and the internet. How you guys doing? Doing good. Now, somebody asked me today a big question, and I was dying to, to get, get in here and talk to you about it. What is the difference between a geek and a nerd? So the difference between a geek and a nerd is, 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 a, is a geek can still hold social, social status. They can have conversations. They can have friends. They can do things. Nerds are the ones that just hide out in the basement. They're 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 socially distant. They don't want to talk to anybody. They just want to be in their own little world. You know, that's es- the difference. Esquire uh, magazine did a thing this past week too about nerds, and they said that a lot of artists and celebrities are dressing up like with a nerd style. And what they're doing is they're wearing button down dress shirts, untucked, uh, with uh, pocket protectors. Pocket protectors, multicolored uh, trousers, yep, uh, and uh, thick glasses. And I thought to myself, you know, that's not the nerd of the day. No, that's it's like not. that's like Revenge of the Nerds, nerd. Yeah, that, right? this is making fun of the nerds. Yeah, the nerd today. And tell me if if I'm not 100 percent here, would be wearing a T-shirt that says Jolt Cola on it with some mustard stains, Bermuda shorts that are too big, um, a lanyard full of USB drives. And tape with some, some glasses with some tape somewhere on them. Okay, I'll give it to you, except for the tape, the glasses with the tape. That's still going back to the old nerd thing. But yes, everything else is spot on. Be a touch of nerd. I mean, pocket protector and all, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Is that how we're doing this? No, no, that was the old <laughs> stuff. That was the old stuff. The new or, stuff looks basically, John, the new stuff looks just like you. No, no, I'm saying I, well, that's what I was getting to. I'm sitting there going, th- that is the, what we grew up thinking a nerd was. Yeah. But nowadays, a nerd is literally, they look cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. Nerds are well cool so do you, that. you're sitting behind a data center there in your yeah. background of your screenshot there. You look really good. <laughs> and you're wearing a shirt with, uh, what is the, the name of that movie again? Fifth oh, Element. come on. Fifth Element? Yeah. I was going to yeah. say, come on. I kind of thought Fifth Element reminded me a little of um, Duke Nukem. See, no, this is still nerdy. The Broncos? Yeah. Broncos jersey. Had to throw you. I can't say what that is. Yeah. 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 Uh, Yeah. Remember, he's from Dallas originally. I know. Texas. Yeah. Yeah, How about them boys, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Just checking. Just checking. Y'all still a Cowboys fan? Y'all still bought them boys? Just keep going. It's okay. (laughs) All right. So, you know, uh, with John being here, which is good because John's the only thing, the only one out out of all of us. That has had the ability to take Windows 11 for a spin as part of the Insider Ooh. program. I I got I I'm in the Insider program. I downloaded it, but I haven't installed it yet. I, I you know it's one of those things where I have to find a machine that I'm not really using to be able to do it. But with the date coming closer, October 5th is when Windows 11 will be available. It should be available to to most everybody. It's not going to roll out that way. Um, you know, everybody's thinking they're going to be able to get it. It's probably not going to be the case. What are some things that people need to think about before they make the jump to Microsoft Windows 11, John, that you've seen so far with uh, with it? If you are a power user or someone that's accustomed to, to still using the old Windows administrative pieces like the control panel or those older, the older style ways of managing the hardware, you might as well kiss that goodbye. 
it becomes very prevalent that they are trying to move us all to the tablet look for the Windows 10 app side of things instead of the actual machine side of things, which is what the control panel used to give us. Is it still exist? Yes, but it's not, you don't have the ease of use to be able to, let's say, right click on your network icon and just go to a, a network options and actually see the adapter. They've literally removed those type of things to where you just go to that typical screen, you see your different connections, and then you have to kind of drill down. Well, we so haven't had that like, since Windows 8 or Windows 7. I mean, uh, even with Windows 10, if you click on your network adapter, it doesn't take you right to the adapter settings. It takes you to a screen that gives you absolutely no use. Right. And and you're right, Justin. It's, they already are trying to remove us from seeing those things, but it's even yeah. more prevalent is what I'm, I guess I'm getting oh, at. Oh, no. It's becoming I don't like that. Harder. Yeah. And some of the other things I've noticed will be the way that if you have a Microsoft account that is associated with a personal account, let's say, for instance, you have your own domain name or you were using some other party my, uh, uh, email for your Microsoft account. If you by chance get connected to Microsoft 365 or decide to take yourself into their world, you may get a problem communicating between a personal account and a 365 account because they will show you it's the same, but treat it differently. You remember the old uh, roaming profile issues we used to have back yeah. in the day with, with those work groups and things, whenever you did this, that's exactly what they're having right now. And I have seen people getting doubles and or it completely taking their local profile and creating a brand new mm. work school account type of profile, even though you're locally on your machine. So there's some weird things going on with that is if you're connected to the Office 365 suite or the Windows 365 world. I have submitted these bugs. They could be bugs. Right. I mean, we all know things happen, uh, but that's also one of the things I noticed. Now, one, mm. one of the things I read this week um, is that, you know, we, we've all grown accustomed, I, going back, way back with Windows, to being able to click and everything pops up on the left. It's just it's just convenient for our eyes to be sitting there and working. And there is the, the ribbon. You know, Windows 8 kind of changed that. But then they went back to that where it was there. It seems like they're trying to push the back to that Windows 8 where everything is centered. And there, it's not really a sidebar. Is, is that something that's going to be gone? Is that sidebar? I don't see the sidebar going away. I mean, they're still... They, they know that we're used to hitting the Windows logo. They know we're used to hitting the start button. Yeah. They know that we're we're drilling down. So they're allowing us to have that. But realistically, they're making the, the Cortana or the search bar more prevalent right there. So all you do is just t start to type the app unless you leave it on the desktop. And with the ease of use of the store or Windows 10 with our tiles, that's where they're – I mean, think about it. They're getting to, to where you, you shouldn't have more than 10 or 20 apps anyway because it's a power station, right? We're working. So just – if your finger can touch it, that's what they're expecting. They're not expecting mouse and keyboard anymore. They're expecting controllers. They're expecting more personal devices mm -hmm. with touch. Oh, wow. That's what everything <sighs> Well, I don't agree with that. I mean, I okay, you're telling me that if I run Windows 11 on my computer right now with a keyboard and mouse, it's not going to be a good operating system. They want me to start touching my monitors. No, I'm saying that clearly you can tell that's what they think we should be doing. I mean, See, we've no, been down this road that's, with that's what I'm at. Yeah. Remember? Yeah. You remember uh, how they forced us to look at this new look of Windows, even though it wasn't ready? I, I feel like this is what's happening with Windows 11. Well, this 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 follows the pattern. I mean, you know, look at the pattern of Windows. When we, we talked about this a couple episodes ago. You know, you had Windows ME, bad. You had then Windows XP, great. Then you had Windows, uh, you know, uh, well, yeah, uh, yeah. Vista, bad. Windows 7, great. Windows 8, bad. Windows 10, great. Windows 11, bad. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and I'm hoping that's not going to be the case because, 
you know, they're saying that they're going to support Windows 10 until 2025, uh, October of 2025, which is good. That'll give them enough time to make Windows 11 halfway decent. Right. And the cost to get people to make this conversion, free. If you have Windows 10, if you're a licensed version of Windows 10. Okay, if you're not, though, what if you want to like build a brand new computer, what do you got to do? You got to buy it. You, you got to still, do you, gonna, do you still, can you buy Windows 11? Uh, you'll, you'll be able to buy it once it's available, I'm sure. I just know that there are ways that if you refresh your Windows 7 machine and it still happens to be laying around or the <laughs> key from it, right. you're able to install certain operating systems to this day and you can get the upgrade still. You could still get the free Windows 10 upgrade. If you have Windows 7, you can still find it. It's still available. It's still legal, still 100% licensable. So then you could make that your step, then go to, to 11. Can I... Can yep. I ask a question about licensing with Windows? Now, like, no, back in the day, if you didn't have a license for Windows, let's say, let's say uh, Vista or even 7, right? You would be able to install Windows, but then it would, like, turn your screen black and it would constantly bombard you with pop-ups saying, you're not licensed, you're you not licensed. You get the nag screen, yeah. Then why is it now with Windows 10... You can maintain an unlicensed copy, and all Windows says is in the very bottom of the corner, it comes with a little notification saying, hey, by the way, uh, hey, um, you're not licensed. Okay, okay, bye. And uh, that's the only thing it does. Because it's hardware encoded to the machine. Hard, yeah. So that so, way, yeah, so if you reformatted and you would put a new hard drive in there, I, I have found this to be true because I've got four computers in here that are all licensed, and I've I found that when you reformat it, you can reinstall it. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about somebody building a brand new machine, putting an ISO of Windows 10 on their machine, and Windows doesn't care anymore. It just goes every once in a while, be like, hey, by the way, uh, you're not licensed. Okay, all right, have a great day. Bye. I never and, ran otherwise, into that. Otherwise, you can, you can use Windows just like anything. The only thing is you can't change your desktop background. That's the only downside is I can't change my desktop no. background. You can't do a lot of you can't do a lot of the personalization features for the desktop. Okay, so if I'm not looking to make this a personalized, like okay, for instance, I got somebody who wants to build a PC. They want to they want to refresh their PC, but it's it's an old work <laughs> laptop, and they they need to buy their own copy. Right. And I'm like, look, okay, fine. Here's here's how much it costs. And she's like, well, I don't necessarily want to do that. And I said, well, fine. You don't have to. You can just run Windows 10. It's just going to bother you a little bit. And she's like, I'm fine with that. All I use this for is internet. You know, to get to my email. Hmm. I don't know. I've, I've, I've always licensed, run licensed copies of it. And you, you I, I'm not saying you shouldn't, but I'm just yeah. wondering why, why all of a sudden such a passive statement on unlicensed copies. I, I actually think that's a perception that is wrong. Do you, I mean, that's why I said it earlier. Are you really going to argue on the behalf that you believe that they're not being greedy? They are literally doing something. Come on, Justin. We know that Microsoft doesn't give away anything for free. I have not been able to tell a difference between an unlicensed copy and a licensed copy, except the fact that I can't change my background. It won't let you use any of their services online. It won't let you connect any of the, the, the features of Microsoft. So basically, yeah, if you don't care about using Microsoft features and you just want to so have a, a dummy Windows updates? terminal. Yeah. No. No. Not that I know of. Yeah. That I, I have heard. If you you don't have a licensed copy, okay. you're not going to be able to update. Okay. Well, that's important. Yeah. I just, I, I kind of, my thing that I found, and that's one thing, honestly, I think Microsoft has done great, and I like that, is that when you build a system and you install Windows, uh, and, you know, say I've got my, you know, my copy that I have, I've purchased because it came with hardware, um, 
when you go to reinstall it, uh, you start taking a hard drive crash. You got to reinstall it. You don't have to jump through hoops. You know, you install it and suddenly Windows says, no, I've seen this before. This is this is encoded into your hardware. And, yeah, and it works but, out. It always has worked out good. I, what I happens like if you that. go to upgrade that computer and you put in a new motherboard or a new graphics card? It's like, wait a second. It finds no, 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 no. It's a percentage. It only, so I have found that I have replaced, I replaced the whole machine except for the hard drive. I literally bought, I, and I chose to do a fresh install, but when it, and I didn't choose a, a license because I had upgraded my Windows 7 to Windows 10. And this machine that I built this last year, I, all I did was the same thing. I downloaded an ISO and everything. But as soon as I logged in with my Microsoft account to it, it activated it because my activation was still valid from the other machine. And it asked me, have you replaced your machine? And I said, yes. Yeah. Okay, so it's tied to your Microsoft account and your hardware. Yeah. That on you earlier that it key codes the hardware. So it can operate without any licensing because it already has, it has the, the management of the hardware identification. All right, we got to take a break. We come back. We'll have more of the discussion. Plus, Justin, you found something you thought was pretty good in a lawsuit. You know, Apple earlier this week had its big to-do, but you found something in about a lawsuit, which could mean a lot to the gaming community. So very important, very interesting stuff. We'll talk about that when we come back. Find us on the web at techtalkradio.com. We'll be right back. Now, back to Tech Talk Radio. Welcome back to Tech Talk Radio. Now, we were talking about Windows 11. John, you said some stuff about Windows 11. I wanted to ask you about the TPM2 chip. Now, Microsoft yeah. initially came out and said, you're going to have to have this chip uh, on your computer, or it has to be embedded, which means it can, you know, a newer motherboard or whatever would have a TPM chip, but you need to have this chip to ensure that you can run Windows 11. But then I read a story last week talking about a, a CEO of a TPM chip company saying, why? That's old news. This is this is like early 2000s technology. Why would you use my chip? And that's that comes from a CEO of a company that makes these chips. You would think they'd be like, yeah, let's do it. I think it confused a lot of people. Really? I mean, they were looking for a way to lock it down other than the ways I think they were looking for a way to hide the way that they lock down the information they get. That's the better way to phrase this. Right. Huh. If they could claim that, that you needed the TPM to get that information base put on top of the TPM, the protected module, right? The trusted protected mode, right? That little piece, yep. the chip that's supposed to pull all the security. Well, why are they doing Windows Hello? Why are they collecting pins, fingers, facial? Where is that being stored? It doesn't get stored in the TPM unless it's linked directly. Are they going to make calls directly to it? A 2,000-year-old, or I mean from 2,000? <laughs> wow. It'd be like 2,000-year-old technology today. But I mean, that's that's the point you're making, and I agree with you. I think that that's just a cover. I think it, it might have been a, a – where do you have security if it's strictly just software? They're uh, trusting the fingerprint. They're trusting the finger pad on the, on the device. They're trusting the camera on the device. Do we actually know if this new Windows Hello cannot be confused or fooled? So how do, you prepare for, how do you prepare for that? How do you prepare for that question? I know we might be going down a rabbit hole, but if you guys are telling me that the, the, the CEO said, why are they using even our technology? And I'm sitting here telling you, why would they even need it when they already do these things without using the hardware? Yeah. Yeah. It, so it confused, it, it yeah. really confused a lot of consumers out there that suddenly thought, well, I'm not going to upgrade uh, because I can't run this thing. And then they came out with a statement. Well, no, wait a minute. You'll be able to install uh, Windows 11 if you use an ISO. 
Meaning you'd have to download it. You know, you, you qualify for it. Who uses it. the disc anymore? You, well, and that's the whole thing. You download it, burn a DVD, and install it from DVD. So basically you'd be doing a fresh install. I don't have a DVD drive anymore. Yeah, most people don't. You know, you can buy you can buy them for 30, 35 bucks for uh, an LG <sighs> external. But most people, you know, they bought systems that don't have them anymore. So if I get an I, I if I can, well, I can just... You don't even need to do that. If you download an ISO, just use an ISO software that, that mounts your ISO like a DVD drive. Yeah, I think they were saying it had to be from external. So I Whatever, uh, dude. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't know. Did Again, Microsoft invest in LG with all their external drives or something? <laughs> I don't know. So what what do you think, Broadway? I mean, are you I mean, are you have you played around with virtual desktops? That's one of the things that they say will a lot of people will like. Um no, look, we 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 already play in the cloud. We already play with things talking about our internet connections and i mean we're back to the thin client days i have a small desktop that literally is the size of my phone that i can attach a wireless keyboard and mouse to the, the the simplest thing to think about this is if you have fast enough internet sure you can just get a virtual desktop through microsoft today office 365 included done if right. you don't want to have a computer but you have a simple device that you can it's still going to be a computer but it's going to be a thinner client and I think that those in the cities, those that have good internet, or those in apartment complexes, those like Xbox kids, that's what they're they're doing. They're bringing all of this together now. The stuff we've been complaining about. Why do I have all these different devices? They're just forcing us in that realm to get comfortable with it now. Excellent. I don't like it. Big problems uh, this week with uh, Epic and Apple. Some are saying it's a victory for Apple. Some saying a victory for Epic. I don't understand it. I just know that this all surrounds... Fortnite and Fortnite wanting to make uh, their 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 loot their loot you know you go and you you're playing a game and suddenly you want to buy you want to buy this loot to be able to play your game a little better maybe have more weapons and all that right and Apple saying no you can't do that you can't provide links to buy outside because when you do that you take away a percentage of our money because Apple is hosting this uh, as an available link to be able to play what is this this situation regarding Apple and Epic? Well, okay, so Epic Games is the maker of Fortnite. And right. Fortnite is an insanely popular game. You, you've probably heard of it, or your children or your grandchildren are, are playing it. But uh, yeah, you're right. So they, they offer things in-game. If you want to get custom skins to make your character look differently, it doesn't, you, you can't do things to make you better in the game. It's just all cosmetic stuff. But anyway, you can purchase things. But if you purchase it through the uh, uh, with the mobile app, Fortnite on mobile with Apple, Apple takes a 30% cut of the stuff. So basically they mark it up. So they mark it up so that way Apple takes their cut and then Epic Games gets their cut. But Epic came out and said, nah, you can go ahead and go directly to the Epic store and purchase uh, the stuff directly. And Apple said, no, 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 you can't do that. And they took the game off their platform because of this issue. So then Epic sued Apple and said, you can't do that. Well, the thing is, is I, right before this show, we recorded this show, I was under the impression that Epic won the lawsuit because I was hearing on the news, different news outlets saying that Epic won this lawsuit. And I'm thinking, yeah, good thing for the little guys, right? I mean, Epic's not a little guy. I mean, they're, well, they're, they're pretty epic. But it's still the little guy can, can, can comparing to Apple, right? Right. Um, and I thought, great, they won this thing. Apple can't force them to use the Apple store to purchase things. It's great. Right before the recording, I started looking it up. Apparently, no. Apple won this lawsuit. Nine out of ten counts went in Apple's favor. The only one that didn't was that 
Apple cannot prevent uh, uh, third-party developers, basically anybody with games that come on their app store, they cannot prevent them in the future from advertising different methods of payment. And that's what the media picked up on. So I didn't get to hear the whole story. But Epic had to pay $6 million to Apple for the court costs for this lawsuit. But Apple won 9 out of 10 counts. Wow. So, But the thing is, is uh, Fortnite, during that time, during that time that the period that the app was available prior to the uh, the update that that made it unusable, uh, Fortnite made twelve point two million dollars, wow! In in direct re, or direct money because people were using the Epic Store to buy their stuff instead of the Apple Store. And they and would have given a, how much of a percentage do we know to Apple? Well, let's see. What's thirty percent? Like thirty million. It's quite a bit of money. Yeah, <laughs> I mean yeah. we're we're talking millions That'd be as like well. Four million dollars. And all they're doing is hosting it and. Processing the transaction. Exactly. And wow. that goes to saying, it's not necessarily just for Apple. This this is going to send shockwaves to the community because think about, obviously, you got Apple Store, then you got the Google Play Store, right? Same mm-hmm. thing applies in Google Play. When you have an app and you want to purchase something uh, in your game to change your character's look or to add, you know, extra features to the game, you got to go through either the Apple Store or the Google Play Store and both take their cut. Um, so now is this going to mean that because of the ruling here, does that go the same for Google? So is Google going to not be allowed to say, you can't advertise third party payment platforms. You have to, you have to keep that out of your, I don't know. That's, that's interesting. It makes it a monopoly. And I think that's, that's that's the thing, but that's this court case. It says that they did not have a monopoly. Wow. Because it's available elsewhere. Oh, yeah, I guess yeah. it's available on PC. It's available on Xbox. It's available on PlayStation. So yeah, but that's I mean, is that their ruling? No, that can't be right. They have a monopoly on the mobile gaming market for iPhones. Now, if somebody wants to play Fortnite, they can go to Epic's website and get it. Oh sure, they just and can't play it on their free. smartphone, right? Well, no, uh, no, you can play it on your you smartphone. Can. Okay, it's all free. They make their money via the the add-ons, the the, the microtransactions. The ninety nine cents or the nine ninety nine or whatever that you put in, that's where they make their money. If you could provide one security tip to somebody, what Ooh, one tip? It. Make it make it like a one quick tip. What would it be, Broadway? Broadway, yeah, you go first, Broadway. Just stay off the internet. All right, uh, <laughs> no, you know what? You might make sense there, Justin. What would your tip be? My tip would be. If you're on social media, which a lot of you are, whether it be Instagram or Facebook or whatever, for the love of God, stop responding to these Facebook posts saying, how far away do you live from the city you grew up in? Or what was the first concert you went to see? Or, hey, kids, what is your social security number? Seriously. You think think people get hacked from, from random? No, they get hacked because they provide these answers in these stupid social media posts. Yep. Same as what I said, but a lot longer. Yeah. <laughs> stay off the internet. <laughs> yeah. All Let's right. Stay off social media. We're going to take another quick break. We come back. I've got a security specialist standing by, Jeff Burner. We're going to talk about security tips. What are some things that people should not be doing or should be doing when they're online? And a lot of it might have something to do with what Broadway said as his tip. So we'll be back with more of Tech Talk Radio coming up. I'm Andy Taylor. I'm Broadway. And I'm Justin. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash tech talkers. We'll be right back. And now. 
back to Tech Talk Radio. Hey, you know, every day we're we're hearing about people who have gotten hacked at companies that have been, uh, you know, ransomed as far as their data. So we thought, well, let's go ahead and take a little time and talk about security and keeping ourselves safe. Some of the things that we shouldn't do and some of the things we should do. You know, it can be a real disruption, but when it happens to you personally, that is, you know, th- that is the worst. And, you know, we've had companies on that make uh, antivirus protection, uh, everything from ESA to Norton. But, you know, really, the, 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 I think the biggest problem sometimes can exist between our fingers and our keyboard. So we got to know what we can do and what we shouldn't do and what we should do. And we've, we've got an IT specialist, an expert, uh, Jeff Berner, standing by on the line, who has a firm in St. Petersburg, Florida, that does all of this, that tells you some of the things you can do and even advises companies on uh, safe practices for their employees. And Jeff, I got to tell you, it's great to have you on the show. Well, Andy, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to have the opportunity to speak to you and your audience. You know, we've come a long way when it comes to the technology, you know, with whether we're looking at a new Mac OS or, you know, the Windows 11, which is just around the corner. But we've also come quite a ways with, you know, viruses and, and like I said, malware, uh, because, I mean, the first virus with Creeper, you know, and but that was back in the 80s when all of this was beginning. So as we have progressed and grown with technology, so has the ability to to use this technology to hurt people, to take money from people, and sometimes just destroy their data. You know, what is the difference, Jeff, when it comes to viruses and malware? A lot of people don't understand that difference. Well, it it, it oftentimes works in in the same way. You know, when you get a virus, you know, what a lot of times it's going to do, it's going to affect your computer's ability to operate. You know, malware is going to affect the operating system as well. You know, the, the biggest thing is that You know, when we talk about antivirus and malware protection, we're really, you know, aiming towards, you know, preventing a hacker from getting our information. People have always asked Jeff, like, why? Why? Why does somebody want to target me? You know, uh, we've got listeners that maybe, you know, they just they get online, they read some emails, they play maybe a couple of games, they store photos. Why does a hacker want to uh, attack somebody that really, you know, is just doing their thing on their computer? Yeah, that's a great question. But I think what happens is we're all in a big pond and every hacker out there is fishing in the pond. So when, we, when if we go out into the ocean, you and I, we go deep sea fishing and we're trying to catch a big, you know, a big fish and we catch some little fish. Sometimes we, we throw them back. Yeah. You know, but when the hacker is fishing in an ocean of, hundreds of millions of users, if that fish will will reward them with something, they're going to keep it. So why me? Great question. But it's the, it's the ability for a hacker to convince that person either A, to pay a ransom, or B, to get their information, because all information in, in the form of data is valuable in the open market because when they sell this information over and over and over and over again, it's only one click of a button that allows a person to become a victim. Is that why, you know, we hear the, the, the dark web. There really is a dark web, isn't there? Absolutely. And one of, the, one of the biggest things that has happened recently was the hack on T-Mobile. And it was discovered because somebody had saw the posting 
of 100 million users. Wow. Their name, their phone number, their address. I mean, they didn't get into, from what I understand from the T-Mobile hack, they didn't get payment information. But, you know, keep in mind, when you have that type of information to hunt with, you never know who's going to respond. It's almost like when, when they get that information, whether it be your phone number, your name, where you're living, when you bought your home, uh, that kind of information that does exist out there, it's almost like you said, like fishing, they're just adding more bait to the hook. And and that's what they want to do. They want to hook you. And they could use that to, to be able to get more information from you. We've had a problem recently in Arizona, and I think the, the rest of the country has had this, where people have been contacted saying, you know, your granddaughter is in trouble. Uh, she's in this foreign country or she's in this state. We need money to be able to bail her out, to get, get help for her, you know, send money. And that has been a big hook because of what we put, you know, social media as well. But it's all about having the right amount of bait. Correct. And, you know, understanding the demographic. You know, so when, when you look at how much data it can be sorted through, you know, when you ask somebody, you know, I mean, we, you and I probably, and, and all your listeners, we probably have a friend or two have, who have come across and said, listen, I have an emergency and, you know, hey, can you help me out? And, you know, as, you know, as the years go by, and I'm a little bit older now, but when I was younger, I knew when my friends were giving me a line of bull. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, yes. Hey, you know, I need 20 bucks for this. I need 20 bucks. For, and you know what? Oftentimes as human beings, we'll, we want to help somebody. So that is the target for typical. The average person is the, is the heart. Is yeah. to pull on your heartstrings that if you for a moment believe what they are what they are saying, maybe they'll get ten dollars from you. Maybe they'll get ten thousand. Exactly. And that is the that's the problem because yeah. we you know in, in general Americans you know for for us and my belief is that we are good people. We have good fundamental values. And we, we will help someone cross the street. If somebody drops something, we will help them pick that up. Yeah, But that when is it true. comes to money, it, it's that, that feeling, you know, oh, my God, I get to help somebody who is just really in a lot of, of trouble. But I will, you know, explain to you and, and to your listeners, no, these things aren't happening. They're not going to choose you on random to say, I need help. If you're asked for help for any amount of money or I need your bank information or your your name, your bank name, your social security number. No, 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 no. Even if it looks like it's coming from that authentic source, because trust me, sometimes that can, that, that can look pretty authentic. Yeah, Andy, I'll, I will tell you something funny. A funny story happened to me years ago, and I don't have a Yahoo account, and that's part of wiping your digital footprint, is you know removing the accounts you no longer use. But I got an email from myself, telling me that I won a free television or something to that nature. Wow. And the return email address was my email. <laughs> and so it came from me and I, and I kind of laughed and I said, Oh my God, I wonder how many of my friends received this email that they want a free TV. Were you, were you waiting so for the call is, phone to ring? <laughs> it's like, Hey Joe, well, yeah, yeah, right. where's my, where's my yeah, television? Yeah. Right. Right. Meanwhile, my computer is infected with a malware. You yeah. know what I mean? The, uh, so I, w- I want to explain to to you and your listeners that if you receive an email that says you won a hundred dollar gift card or a lottery or a TV or an iPad or an iPhone or whatever 
luxury prize it can be, whether it's a value of $50 or, or $5 million, it's not real. Yeah. As much you know, as we'd like to think the, it is. But, yeah. That's the challenge for us to say, oh, my God, I just want a free iPad. Let me click here. Oh, what was I thinking? <laughs> Well, you know, uh, honestly, Jeff, you got to be careful too. Even online shopping. Uh, about uh, about three months ago, I was online and I, I decided to test it. And there was a company, and they're still. And this is the sad thing: they're still all over Facebook and Instagram, where they post an ad. They say we have an overstock in the warehouse. We've got this laptop, uh, and it's for sale. And you know, we've got a. We need to clear them out. Ninety nine dollars for this laptop. So I tested the theory. I went ahead and I bought it. I've spent 99 bucks, paid, and I waited, and I waited. Never got anything from the company, although I did get from the company because I noticed it was 163.com. I did start getting text messages from the company that were definitely spam links and, you know, things that would have affect, infected my phone. And I just thought, wow, you know, a lesson learned there. So you've got to be careful even when you're shopping online. I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah, you know, and that is that is a challenge, and, and this is a personal experience here at IT Consulting St. Petersburg. When we first opened up the company, we ran we run into that on a professional level, not even on a spam. Wow, there are bad actors out there that are that are not afraid to be exposed, and they will they will pretend to sell you this, they will pretend to sell you that, and then similar situation where someone had offered me an overstock of a plethora of iPads right at a decent for at a decent price it wasn't you know a give it wasn't a giveaway price it was you know significantly marked off and w- the lesson i learned previously was never send a wire yeah once you send a wire the wire is gone yep once you send a western union the western union is gone so we actually did something to our bank and because they did not ship within 24 hours, my bank was able to recall that money. Nice. Very and nice. it was it was a fraud, and it was you know well over fifty thousand dollars. Wow. But the thing is, is that we have to be careful, even on a professional level, you know, and we have to be careful on a personal level that when you look at what is available and what seems too good to be true, and it's that old saying: if it sounds too good to be true, most likely it is too good to be true. Exactly. Now, you know, uh, Jeff, a lot of people get a false sense of security or is it, you know, when, when they go ahead and they get good antivirus protection program, they get, you know, maybe Norton or they get ESET or some of the other ones that are out there. Um, and they just think that's it. That's all they got to do. The, even if you have that really good protection on your system, you still have to control what goes on between the fingers and the keyboard, right? Absolutely. Because there are, I mean, one thing that one of the things that we preach, and we and to family and friends, and to those who to ask, is you know what what are some of the things that we need to do? Well, number one, make sure you do all your updates because an, an update is actually, you know, Microsoft or Windows or, or whatever platform you're using is telling you that hey, we found something that was vulnerable. So mm-hmm. we are giving you the update to fix it because it already happened to somebody else. Now, if you are in the same, in, in that same boat where something happens to you and you report it, you know, they'll figure out how to fix it and then they'll send the update out to the rest of the world. Right. Exactly. So uh, it is very important to do your updates, but when it comes to online shopping, surfing, 
checking your emails. There are very tricky tactics that are used. Like, for example, if let's say it was um, Clearwater University, which doesn't exist, but let's say it was Clearwater University and the email address it says at clearwateruniversity.edu. That's typical a university. Right. What what they'll do, what a hacker will do is they'll put at clearwateruniversity.edu.org or .com or .net. And that is a, that's a trick that is used day after day after day after day. So when it comes to personal, we don't get many of those from educational uh, establishments. Right. But we do find Amazon text messages. You know, I'm not sure how many times you've been called and, and said, you know, you have an Amazon order that has been, you know, placed. Please click here, you know, or please call us here. Right. You know, so it's not just on your computer or your phone, but it's the phone calls that are coming nonstop. And the reason why those phone calls are coming is because your information was, was purchased somewhere. Exactly. And that, and that's the difficult thing for every, you know, user out there is that we don't know exactly who's selling our information or who's hacking our information. So if you've had a Yahoo account, your information's out there. If you have a T-Mobile account, your information's out there. Years and years ago, there was a, a big healthcare provider. Their information was leaked everywhere. You can Google you know, the biggest hacks in the world, you know, and you can kind of find out where your information was exposed. And we will get those personal emails that, w that will arrive. But for these, for these individuals who are curious as to what this may be, we have to remove that curiosity. Because when you take that into the workplace, you don't want to be the guy or the girl who clicks on something and and then next thing you know, the whole company's got to be shut down for, for a period of time. And I will say from personal experience, and this is a funny story for your listeners, and you know, even a professional like myself, I have fallen victim to something so strange. Common sense. Oh, no. As an employee, as an employee of another company, I received an email that says, here's your FedEx invoice from FedEx.com. Oh, no. And I said to myself, oh, why would FedEx send me the invoice? Let me see what this is. Click. Oh, my God. Once you click, that was it, right? <laughs> oh, oh, the IT staff come running out, unplug your computer. Everyone has unplugged your computer. And I knew I was responsible and I was embarrassed. Yeah. Yeah. So it happens. Though. A lot of times. Right. So as you know, your listeners, whether they're at home or at work, we have to be very mindful to only click on the things, only open the emails that we're expecting. You know, if you are in a sales position and someone shoots you a, a, a purchase order from a, a university or from a company from across the country that you've never called before, that purchase order isn't real. Please don't, please don't click on that. Your chief technology officer will, will, will thank me for that, for that advice. And it never really hurts to pick up the phone and call somebody and ask them, not through a link in the ma mail or a phone number in the mail, but if you know somebody that has sent you something, to ask them, did you send this? I never click on videos that get sent to me uh, through social media, never. Uh, and I'm, unfortunately, you know, if I want to see something, it's it's like I'll, I'll go ahead and look for it myself to see if it's out there uh, because somebody's sending it to me because something went viral. I got to tell you, Jeff, a situation uh, a few years ago because I've, I've like you, I have done this type of work. I had a, a, a customer that, had a system that kept getting infected 
And I'd go in there and we'd put stuff on their machines and we'd clean them out and we'd do, you know, malware bites. We'd do that whole bit and get it, get it cleaned and kept reinfecting. We found out that it was the router itself that had been infected and it was using, you know, a process to reinfect the machines. It was, I mean, it was crazy. Wow. It was the first time I'd seen something like that. Right. And, and I remember it was, it was difficult. So, you know, people have to be careful not only in their businesses, but in their homes, because this could be devastating. Again, losing that valuable data. How important though, and Jeff, have you come across people that use the password one, two, three, four, five? I hear about it and I think nobody should really be doing that. Do people still do that? I pray they don't, you know, because it's, it's only a matter of time before you're, before you are, you're hacked. And here's a fine example, you know, cause a lot of people say, well, I've never been hacked. I'm not going to worry about that. But how many times has your bank called you up and said, we are suspecting fraudulent activity on your debit card mm-hmm. because you got hacked at a gas pump yeah, or store or online shopping. So the hacking can happen in, in, in several different ways. Uh, but to, uh, uh, reiterate what we said, it is a challenge for us to recognize some of the, the more obvious state that's out there for us. And we, we seem to get away from the common sense and, and seem to click. Well, you know, Jeff, I know a lot of people listening right now um, have many different accounts. And this could be everything from a bank account to uh, an insurance provider to 401k to uh, even, you know, the, the local market. Um how do you manage all of these passwords? How important is it to be able to do this? And that, I know people are listening right now. They're going, well, I don't want to use a password other than the password, or I don't want to use a password other than the street I live on. Uh, but the, the problem is, again, it's it's guessable. It's very easy to hack. I mean, uh, there are tools right now that can get people through that. How does somebody manage all these passwords? Password manager. So uh, there are some apps out there uh, that that will allow everyone to manage their own password. You can use the same password with the password manager. And what they'll do is they'll use different passwords for every site that you go on. So that is the, the best way because the passwords are, I mean, honestly, between you and I and, and, your, and your listeners, oh my God, they are, there are so many. Yeah. We, we log into so many different things. We have so many, you know, we try to use the same password. I think history has taught us that if we're going to use the same password, it's going to catch on. And if any of the listeners have, you know, I'm not sure how many have actually checked their junk mail, you know, and I do every once in a while, just for the same purpose. Somebody had emailed me and said, we have your password. And mm-hmm. they did. Yep. And it was a password I used for a couple of different sites that I've been on, Amazon, Instagram, Twitter. And I was like, wait a minute. I, how did they get my password? Yeah. I mean, it was exact. So I went through every single, every single platform that I've ever used, and I've used a password manager to, to change it up. So a password manager is absolutely key. Most banks now, and I think most people, you know, who are, uh, who are utilizing bank, uh, your banking information online, your computer on your phone, most of them do have a uh, – uh, multi-factor uh, authentication. Ah, yes. Once you put your password in, they'll send you a text. You got to put in the code. If you don't put in the code, you can't get in. Those so multi-factor authentication is super is a is a great way to protect yourself beyond that. It is 
because now when you have there's a lot of different sites that that allow you to choose that you don't it's not automatic as it is for banks it's automatic now and they will update that security so uh you know if you get on a site whether you're online shopping or whatever you're doing online and they have the ability for you to set up your account and most companies at this point when it comes to finances or any financial matters they will have a a multi-factor authenticator. So that is going to give you, you know, a little bit more security uh, because, you know, I mean, how is anyone going to get your text message, you know, for that, for that code? Exactly. You know, how is, you know, or, or the email, you know, it's very, it's very difficult for a hacker to, to get around uh, multi-factor authentication. But even as I say that now, you know, these hackers are, are good. There are millions of hackers out there. Some are doing it for fun. Some are doing it for gain. I've noticed that some of the stuff that, that you've talked about in the past is, is about wiping your digital footprint. Uh, what does that mean? Is and, and does that go back to what we were talking about with Yahoo? Yeah. If you, have, if you ever had a Yahoo account, you're not using Yahoo anymore or Hotmail or Gmail or any of the, uh, the accounts you may have online, it is very important that you go and delete those accounts. It doesn't matter what you're on. You know, it doesn't matter if it's Amazon, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, any of the shopping sites, any of the stores you go to, if you're not using the store anymore, or you're no longer using an an email at any of those addresses, yeah, you have to remove that. I was asked just a few weeks ago on another another talk show, uh, you know, Jeff, how do we protect ourselves completely from being hacked online? Yeah. And I said, remove all your social media, delete all your email accounts. <laughs> and then people and look at you with that look not, on their face. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's really the only way because you know as we try to keep up with technology and, and as you said before, you know the router you know was was processing the, the same virus over and over. You know we have companies who are hacked, who are held for ransom, and they go in there and you know in some cases they don't even realize they were hacked three years ago, four years ago. Mm-hmm. And when they go to restore, you know, that data, you know, from, you know, a, a starting point from yesterday or last week or six months ago. And this is some of the technology that we're discussing with a lot of companies now is that if you don't go back and find the origination, you're going to be hacked over and over and over again. Because when you hear about these municipalities who have been hacked, and then they got hacked again, and then they got help for ransom again. It's like, how is this happening? Well, it's happening because either A, their security really isn't as enhanced as it should be, or B, that infection goes back some time, and it's just been sitting there on a device somewhere in the network. Yeah. And that is, you know, one of the things that, you know, a lot of companies struggle with. But, you know, when you go, when you talk about, wiping your digital footprint, all you can do is your best at this point. Because when you look at where, you know, these ransomwares, you know, and I'm talking more on the business side than the personal side, but ransomware in 2019, the average cost was 115000 wow. In 2020, it's, it went from 115000 to 312000 in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. And they're expecting this to escalates to over 265 billion over the next 10 years. How important is it, Jeff, to maintain a good Wi-Fi password? 
Because I, I've run into people before that told me they, they have an open, they leave one open for their neighbors or when people come to visit without a password that they can connect to. Uh, is that a danger zone? Absolutely danger. And let me explain to you why. There is a protocol that is out there that most service providers, Spectrum or Verizon, Frontier, even the smaller ones, and it's called CALEA, C-A-L-E-A. This is the Commission on Accreditation for Law Enforcement Agencies. So basically what happens is this, is if my Wi-Fi is wide open for my neighbors and one of my neighbors Google something on how to create something illegal or do something illegal or look at something illegal. Right. It's going to come back to where is that IP address originating from? And that Mm. IP address is originating from your router. Mm. So you get a knock on the door saying, Hey, we have a warrant. We're going to search everything. And you know, that's what the FBI does. FBI will, will, service, they will serve a subpoena and say, who is looking at this? Right. And Spectrum gives the IP address. They come to your house and say, that wasn't me. And if you have an open router, <laughs> an open Wi-Fi, well, you know, that's a little bit of a challenge. Now, one one of the challenge to defend, it is defendable. It's a challenge and it's going to be a hassle. Now, one of the things that we had talked about or that I talked about with, with several folks in, in the past was the guest network. Yeah. So, you know, in my home, we run almost six different networks here. One, two, three, four, five, six different networks. And we have a guest network. Yeah. And we limit what people can, you know, I set those policies up within my router. I know what my parental uh, controls are. And we don't give access to hardly anyone unless they specifically ask for it. Yeah. Most people who have a phone, they have they have their own internet. I don't let many people use my Wi-Fi, period. Now, Jeff, if our listeners or maybe even a, a company that's listening to this would like to kind of get in touch with you and have you help them out in their their instruction of the their employees, the people that are interacting with their company, or even like I said, you know, it's it's a family and they're they're concerned about this. How can they get more information about how you can provide and your company help them out? Well, thank you for asking that. You know, I appreciate that. Our website is itcstpete.com. So itcstpete.com. It's the abbreviation for St. Petersburg. Very nice. We also have a, a toll-free number, 833-ITC-WIFI. Uh, we utilize that for a lot of our Wi-Fi products that we do sell out there. A lot of people are interested in upcoming upgrades. So, you know, if you, I'm not sure if you've heard of it yet, but it is a, a beginning to, to gain a little bit of strength as Wi-Fi 6 is now out there. It has been out there for about a year. A lot of people don't know about it. Yep. Uh, but we tend to help a lot of people still with Wi-Fi five, right? Yeah. How many? Uh, how many? Uh, how many people are really upgrading their routers? Are they? Are they hanging on to that older technology? Are you finding that out? There are a ton of people who are upgrading their Wi-Fi because number one, your router from your service provider may not be giving you everything that you wanted to give you, and there are certain service providers out there who will tell you to go to Best Buy. Mm-hmm. And the issue is this, and that's a great, great question for you to ask, and I appreciate the question. When you have mom and dad working remote, or mom working remote, dad working remote, you have a couple of kids, one's gaming, one's trying to watch Netflix, or if everyone's in school online, how do you share that bandwidth if you don't have a router that's going to have an AI that's going to allow different uh, 
uh, access to the internet to be spread out over that router. Exactly. So most routers have two channels for five gigahertz and two channels for 2.4 gigahertz or three channels and three channels. We carry a router, Portal EV. You can get it on our website, itcsafety.com. And we have six channels at five gigahertz and we have 11 channels at 2.4 gigahertz. And we use dynamic frequency selection, which allows, you know, just picture this, being on a highway. If you're in a five-lane highway and you see traffic in the, the fast lane, you'll switch lanes. Well, right. our router switches lanes for you. Nice. So it, it, it allows, you know, multiple people to be online at the same time. A lot of people have smart devices at home. Some of these routers can only handle 10 or 20 devices. I have 22 devices on our router. <laughs> Just the two of us. 22 devices. It happens. You know, <laughs> when people are not paying for a ton of bandwidth, and you are working with a budget, you have to understand that, you know, sometimes you have to get offline in order for someone else to be online. When you upgrade a router, you can go to Best Buy and pick one up for two, three hundred dollars. You know, we ours is uh, you can use the code Jeff, J-E-S-F at our, on our website. You get twenty five percent off. Ours runs about one hundred and forty eight dollars. It Very covers nice. three thousand square feet. That is one of the things that people are really interested in now is the coverage. Yep. Because your cable company, you know, and I love them all. So I love all you guys out there who might be listening. <laughs> when they bring that, when they bring that fiber or that coax into the house, it's usually in the back of the house, yeah. or it's usually in you know a remote part of the house, and it'll only cover so many square feet. Yep. And that square footage might be a thousand, it might be fifteen hundred. You know, you can go to Best Buy or any Walmart and find one that covers you know fifteen hundred, two thousand. Ours covers 3,000 square feet, probably for half the cost of what you would find at Best Buy. Jeff, give us the website again one more time for your company. It's itcstpete.com. itcstpete.com. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at hashtag itcstpete. We'd love to see uh, everyone following us. We do post a lot of cool things and, and some discounts out there. And if anyone has any issues whatsoever, personal or business-related, Please don't hesitate to reach out. We'll do our best to answer all your questions. Very good stuff. We'll be back with more of Tech Talk Radio. And now, back to Tech Talk Radio. All right, so we were talking about some great shows that we've been watching on uh, some of the streaming services. And there's a there's a new one out that everybody has to check out because of the CG that's in this. Uh, it's pretty amazing. Oh, yeah, I saw the video. Wow. Right. It's, a, it's a show that's on FX on Hulu. Which basically means if you if you get a Hulu, you'll be able to watch it there, right? Sure, yeah. So it's called Why the Last Man. Now, the letter Y. Yeah, the letter okay. Y. It's a drama. And the thing is, is so FX is owned by Disney. And the Disney parent company has a, has an edict. No primates in any of its movies. Uh, real primates, real not primates. animated. So this, this story, Why the Last Man, features a guy traveling with his monkey. It's not animated, so how do you do it? Thank gosh for technology. They took this monkey that is an integral part of the, the story, and they've created a CG of this monkey. Ooh, yep. Computer graphics. And it looks amazing. It you is, can't even tell the difference. No. It, you, you look at the movements, the hair, everything about it. It is some of the best. CGI. Honestly, I've seen in a long time. They've done a great job. Have yourselves a great week. We'll be back next week with more of Tech Talk Radio. I'm Andy Taylor. I'm Broadway. And I'm Justin. Find us on the web, techtalkradio.com. Have yourselves a great week.